Our second reading today continues our reading of the Gospel according to Mark. All that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of the eternal salvation. Now, after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him, and while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After this, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table. And he upbranded them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved. But the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my names they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will peck up snakes in their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. When I lived in Illinois, we participated in a sunrise service. But it was an Easter morning service that was a community service. And there were four churches in town. And so we rotated whoever preached at it. And if I preached, it would be at the Baptist church or the Methodist church or different church. And, and the Methodist pastor might preach at our church. And every year it was a different pastor. And I remember one year we had a guest pastor. And she started preaching, and it was a wonderful sermon. And then she got to the end, and it was an incredible ending. And then she kept going. And she had another incredible ending, and kept going. And then another incredible ending. And it seemed like she had five or six great endings to the sermon. But it just seemed to go on and on and on. I'm sure you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But in many ways, that reminds me of today's reading from the Gospel of Mark. Before we go any further, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The Bible is kind of like sausage. We all, or many of us, really like sausage. 
But very few of us want to know how it's made. We all really like the Bible, but we don't spend much time thinking about how it came together. We probably think that somewhere there is the original Bible, probably written in King James's very own handwriting. But the truth is, we don't have any original manuscripts of the Bible. And the Bible we read today is put together from fragments of different scrolls found throughout the ages. In seminary, we studied textual criticism where we looked at what might be typos as scribe copied copy after copy of the Gospel of Mark or the book of Corinthians and might have gotten tired and made errors or what one word might mean instead of another to make it more sense. And then when we have it figured out, we'll find an older manuscript that looks different and we'll have to try to reconcile the two. And that's what happens in today's reading. If you open up the Gospel to Mark that we read today, you'll see that after verse 8, there are two passages in brackets. The first says the shorter ending of Mark. The second says the longer ending of Mark. And they're both in brackets. And that's where the sermon title, Busted Brackets, comes from. It's not a March Madness knock. I'm not trying to hurt Mike Mills' feelings. for. Uh... But if you read in the small print, it says some of... The most ancient authorities bring the book to close at the end of verse 8. The most ancient manuscripts, the most ancient copies we have of the Gospel of Mark end after verse 8. And that tells us that the other verses were probably added on later. So the book of Mark originally ended... When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us when we come to the entrance? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw the young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And that's how the Gospel of Mark originally ended. It's no longer that someone was moved by the Holy Spirit to add more to that, because that seems like a terrible way to end the story of Jesus Christ. With silence with fear. The women come to the tomb and they see to their amazement that the big stone has been rolled away and there is a mystery man in all white sitting there saying, do not be afraid. You have come seeking Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Go and tell the disciples that he has gone ahead of them to Galilee and there you will see him. And the women ran out 
and did nothing. And they told no one. And the gospel ends with fear and silence. And perhaps this is a fitting way to end the gospel with fear and silence. I'm a part of several clergy groups on Facebook where we discuss texts and bounce sermon ideas off one another. And this week, several posts came up and said, we're supposed to proclaim the resurrection, the good news this Sunday. How do we do this when 32 people were killed in Brussels in a terrorist attack? We live in a world fear, full of fear and silence. Fear after a terrorist attack. Silence about terrorist attack where 167 people were killed in Kenya. Where people were killed in Turkey. But they didn't reflect people that looked like us, so the media was silent. And people didn't know. Fear and silence. We're all afraid. We're all silent at times when we should speak out. But the way Mark ends his gospel tells us that in spite of our fear, in spite of our silence, Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty even in our fear and our silence. Jesus has overcome death. Death has no authority over us even though we live in fear and silence. Fear and silence is a terrible way to end a gospel, and it's a terrible note to start a church. But living in a world of fear and gospel tells us that we need the gospel, that we need the church. I think there's another reason why Mark ended his gospel this way. I think he did it intentionally. It's no wonder that the women were silent, that they were afraid. They'd just seen Jesus, their teacher, crucified before them. The authorities would have been furious if they'd spread the word that he was resurrected, for that's what they feared most. And it would have been easy to stay silent. People would have preferred they stay silent. People didn't want to hear about the resurrection because if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, it becomes a lot easier to admire him as a great teacher. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then you don't have to listen to everything he said. You could cross out the lines you don't like. Love your neighbor as yourself. No, my neighbor's a real jerk. Cross that one off. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. I like my stuff. Cross that one off. Do unto the least of these as you have done unto me. No, no, I don't think so. If Christ hasn't risen from the grave, he's a great teacher, but we don't have to listen to everything he said. But if we do believe that Christ is risen, if we do do believe that that tomb was empty, 
If we believe that he gained victory over death, that he proved his divinity, then he is someone we must listen to. He is someone whose words and actions deserve and cry for a response. So I think that's what Mark did. I think Mark gave us a gospel that deserves a response. One commentator wrote that he believes that the gospel of Mark was originally told, was given in oral form, and he ended it that way on purpose so that the crowd gathered there can finish it for them. And I think that's why he leaves it in fear and silence. Because it's a gospel that commands a response. And it's up to us to respond to it. We can't count on Mary Magdalene. We can't count on Peter or any of the disciples. It is our job to respond. In the fear and in the silence, it's our job to be the body of Christ. To proclaim that Christ is risen. To share the good news. To tell people that death does not have hold of us anymore. Mark puts it on us. I've often struggled with Good Friday to Easter because Good Friday, while dark, loses its sting because we know the ending. There is no surprise. We know that Christ is resurrected. But there is a surprise. The surprise is in you. The surprise is in me. And it's how we respond to the empty tomb. It's how we respond to the resurrection of Christ. It's how we respond even in this world of fear and silence to the good news that the tomb is empty and Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.